0: The Republicans are, rightfully so, standing their ground on... The need to protect our own border if, in fact, taxpayers are going to continue to fund Ukraine's attempt to secure their borders. Only in America today, with Democrats in the White House and Senate, can this be controversial? You have Chuck Schumer, you have Joe Biden out there. They're actually arguing that Republicans are trying to hold this Ukraine funding hostage to get our border secure. You know, there was a time when a secure border was not controversial. The only dispute was which party was able to most successfully do it. There were different approaches. During the 90s, I recall there was a debate between the most effective way to stop illegal immigration, whether that was to capture, punish, deport the illegals themselves, or also go after the businesses who hire them. Oftentimes, Democrats said, no, we need to crack down on the corporations who hire them. Um, they, They weren't the only one. I mean, it was a mixed bag, but the argument was that, well, they're coming here for jobs, and if there aren't any jobs, they will come here no longer. Now, of course, when you have an administration that says, "Oh, you don't have to have a job. I mean, we'll pay for your education. We'll pay taxpayers will pay for anything and everything you want," then you've got a entirely different scenario on your hands. But but that's the difference where we are today versus even back in the nineties. which the Democrats are criticizing Republicans for being extremist by demanding that we secure our own border. Uh, It's insanity. John Kirby, this is just a brilliant quote. Being asked questions about our border security because of the fact that, again, Republicans, those pesky Republicans, are insistent that we secure our own border. Kirby said, quote, regarding people coming into this country illegally, quote, if you're in this country illegally, that's obviously not okay. Uh, exactly to whom is that obvious? That is not obvious. That's clearly not obvious. I saw another uh, clip of video and you got, you know, thousands of illegals coming across the border. What are they doing? We love Joe Biden. Is it obvious to them? Is it obvious to the millions, millions of illegals that have come into this country... Illegally since Biden became president. What part has made it obvious, John Kirby, that it's not okay to be in this country illegally when you had Joe Biden during the primaries on national television broadcast all over the world? Declaring that if I'm elected president, all of you who got turned away because you came here illegally, you will be welcome back. Is that what made it obvious? These people are able to get away with the most absurd assertions that require the total suspension of reality. And to claim that obviously it's not okay to be in this country illegally. Well, that's news to just about anyone and everyone that's been paying attention to what's going on in this country. Latest news update. From Cutter 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. One of the teens accused in the deadly drive-by shooting in downtown Springfield last month will make an appearance in court today. 19-year-old Elijah Bedell has a counsel hearing where the attorneys will update the judge on the status of the case. Bedell is charged with shooting and killing Chavez Wynn last month. Two other 17-year-old suspects are charged in juvenile court. Last week's house explosion in
1: Licking, Missouri has been classified as accidental by the Missouri Division of Fire Safety. They've determined it was caused by an open gas valve inside the home. The explosion destroyed the home on Myers Street Friday evening and sent two men in their 70s to the hospital with moderate to serious burns. And today marks 82 years since the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Flags will
0: be flown at half-staff in remembrance. From Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sponsored by Wolfpack Cleaners, your residential and commercial cleaning professionals. Sunny with a high of 65 today. Clouds 48 tonight, mostly cloudy. High of 61 tomorrow with rain likely tomorrow night. How many kids as of yesterday do we still have unadopted?
2: Oh, goodness. Well... Or
0: ballpark it.
2: So, we've got nine ornaments left at A1 Custom Car Care. We have six at Crown Power and Equipment, three at Green County Freight and Food Sales, and I'm honestly not sure about Anchor Tactical. I got busy when they first opened so i will call them today and see how many ornaments left uh they have on their trees so we still have quite a few is basically uh the answer to your question
0: each of those ornaments represents a kid that has yet to be adopted they specifically ask what would you like they they will know that they were passed over um if they do not get adopted you all have always come through Um, the, The gifts do have to be in the 13th of next week, so that means what we really, really, really need is for all of those kids to be adopted from one of those four locations by Friday. Um, just that way we feel better thinking, okay, well, you're going to do the uh, shopping over the weekend and then Monday bring those gifts by here to the station. And then we know that everyone is taken care of. So, again, Anchor Tactical, we've got A1 Custom Car Care on West Sunset, Crown Power and Equipment, East Chestnut Expressway and Green County Freight and Food Sales on Carney. And all of those details are under Santa's Angels at ksgf.com. Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone next. Springfield's Talk 1041. My name is Nick Reed, and it is Thursday, which means it's Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, a name that many of you may be familiar with, Michael Barone, Senior Political Analyst for the Washington Examiner. I know it's a source that we cite quite often on, on this show here. And co-author of The Almanac of American Politics since uh, its first edition of 1972. There's a book, Mental Maps, of the founders, how geographic imagination guided America's revolutionary leaders. And oftentimes I open by asking what made you decide to write the book. But I'm really, really curious. This seems like just such a, a unique perspective, I guess, first and foremost, just tell us a bit about what what does that even mean in the title and then what compelled you to write about this?
1: Well, I have read many books about America's founding fathers. There have been wonderful books written recently, in recent years by academic historians, by people who are non-academic historians, uh, journalists and professional writers. Uh, these were outstanding people who set up the framework of our government, uh, and um, I wanted to learn more about them. And my old friend Luke Cannon, a longtime uh political reporter and biographer of President Reagan said, once told me, if you want to really learn about a subject, write a book about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and write a book and I'm going to try and look at the founders from a different perspective, from what as far as I can tell anyone else has done before, from their geographic orientation. I mean, I'm a person that's always been very interested in maps. I grew up in the Midwest in one of those square grid places in uh, Detroit, Michigan, where you always knew where north, south, east, west were because of actually a design that was put into effect and suggested and promoted by Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders that I deal with in my book. Um And I've been interested in maps, and I thought, well, you know, the Founders didn't really have good maps of most of North America, and they didn't know, particularly when they're the period before and during the Revolutionary War and even afterwards, what the geographic extent of the country would be, what was beyond those uh, Appalachian Mountains and beyond the Ohio River Valley. Uh, And so I decided to do research uh, and research read up about the founders, and look at different geographic orientations. So I present six of the founders in this book, uh, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, uh, James Madison, and um, one that somebody, many people have not heard of, Albert Gallatin, who was Secretary of the Treasury uh, for 13 years in the early the Jefferson and Madison administrations. They all had different geographic orientations, visions of the present and the future and of what this country could be. And so uh, Metal Maps is an attempt to uh, present those things and to um, help readers who are interested in this kind of thing and learning more about the founders to read. Uh, It's not a long book, so you can read it one or two of the chapter one or two of the chapters an evening uh, and to learn something hopefully about uh, how this country was created and how um, how contingent that was on a good luck or accident yeah. or as some people thought divine
0: providence we're talking with our author of the week Michael Barone the book Mental Maps of the Founders how geographic imagination guided America's revolutionary leaders Uh, We are so accustomed now to having so much information at our fingertips. I I guess we do. We we have not only forget, but we... You have to be proactive in trying to understand what it was like not to have that access and um, beyond Google Maps, just as you mentioned, they didn't have very good actual physical maps. And so I suppose it would be almost to some degree if we're trying to uh, fit into their shoes, be dropped off somewhere, not told where it is, just have a very, very rough idea. Uh, of based off of maybe some uh, third-hand knowledge, what the area looks like, and then be told to get together with other people and and design the, the world around you. I, I, yeah, that would be quite, quite the extraordinary feat, yet that is well, what they
1: had to do. Well, if you imagine yourself being George Washington, age 16, your father had been dead for five years, you were son of a second marriage, uh, and you're hired by Lord Fairfax, the proprietor of a vast area of Northern Virginia between the Rappahannock and the Potomac rivers. Um, Most of Northern Virginia today going into West Virginia and the land the extent of which was not really known. And you're told to go, he wants you to do some surveying of the land so that he can uh, block it off, settle it, uh, lease the land, whatever. Uh, And Washington sent out, he doesn't have good cell phone connection. Yeah. He doesn't have Google Maps. He has a map that was drawn in 1750. Uh, they, they, he would have a map a couple of years, drawn in 1751 by two men named Joshua Fry and Peter Jefferson. Peter Jefferson was, is it Thomas Jefferson's father, yeah. um, who went out beyond the Blue Ridge and uh, said in the mountains. But when you look at the Jefferson Fry map, it's, uh, it's fairly good uh, on the coastal uh, uh, U.S., Chesapeake Valley. Um, once you get beyond the Blue Ridge, it's, they have the idea that there's whole ridges of mountains, but they don't have a very clear idea mm-hmm. of what they are. So George Washington is going out there. He has his surveying instruments. He's a person who knows how to survey he's a person who knows how to get along in the woods he's a person who knows how to get along with the Indians that he encounters on the way uh, and uh, but he's going through the forest you do your surveying work in the fall and uh, the winter because you want to do it when the leaves are down and you can see more clearly uh, between the trees and set up your lines of sight that you need with your surveying instruments so that was the that was the experience without which George Washington would probably have not been chosen in 1753-54 to be the agent of the Virginia House of Burgesses to go out to the Ohio River Valley, the what becomes Pittsburgh, and warn the French not to go there anymore. He would not, and without that military experience, he would not have been probably uh, unanimously chosen to be the uh, commander of the Continental Army in 1775, as he was. Um, And so this is uh, one of the ways that the country got going. And one of the ways in which Americans got a leader who, unlike many military leaders, um, accepted the orders and the rules that were set down by the elected representatives in the Continental Congress, and who insisted on resigning his commission and going back into public life and not using his military power to seize political power. We're a different country than we might have been, had somebody with different points, different attitudes um, done, uh, been placed in the places that George Washington was.
0: In your book, Mental Maps of the Founders, you mentioned moments ago that you focused on six of the founders and, and their backgrounds. In retrospect, are, are there any... Uh, like massive developments uh in terms of the the country that can be attributed to any of these backgrounds in particular that you look at and think wow if this person had not been involved uh we would be drastically different in this way or that way
1: oh i think i think in every one of the six cases uh we, the, the involvement of these particular individuals. And acting according to their geographic orientation made a huge amount of difference. You have Benjamin Franklin in 1754 saying the colonies must unite against the French threat or die. Uh, the whole idea that the colonies would be unified was not widely accepted at that point. Franklin was inventing it. Uh, I've mentioned George Washington's leadership uh, and how critical that was. Uh, He had two cabinet members, Thomas Jefferson, who wanted to send people west. He never actually went very far west himself, not even as far as his father had, but he sent Lewis and Clark to the west, wanted to learn more, acquired without hesitation. The Louisiana Purchase, though he had constitutional qualms. And his cabinet colleague and political policy rival, Alexander Hamilton, who came from the West Indies, who had this experience as a teenager, ordering ship captains around and doing currency calculations, who said the America's future is in trade and in having banks and, and financial institutions that can finance trade and that will finance industry and time and so forth. Well, what happens to the country? We do move westward. As Jefferson wanted though not in his orderly a manner as he wanted always uh, and we do have the Northwest Territories free from slavery the area west of Pennsylvania north of the Ohio River um, as far as Hamilton goes he sets up a financial system that finances America as a world trade partner in America Americans in the early Republic are trading with the Mediterranean the Navy is sent there to protect them against the Barbary pirates it's trading with the different different. different belligerent powers in Britain and France and their world war in Europe. They're trading with China. They're catching whales in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, And so both of those founders um, had an immense effect on what our country became. And without them, it's difficult to see how things would have gone as they did.
0: We've heard so much, whether it's through our own reading, or even in schools, about the the debates that took place. And so much of it, of course, surrounds Uh, be it the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And so much of our perception of those perspectives come from philosophical perspectives about liberty and and God-given rights. Uh, But this book seems to lend us insight into the fact that there was, well, the geographical component to it. How much of those conflicts uh, in the debate about the direction of the country – stemmed from the geographical backgrounds or understanding of the founders.
1: Well, some of them pretty obviously. I mean, comparing Hamilton to Jefferson, Hamilton is concerned with foreign trade and the possibility of foreign invasion. He wants to have a robust navy and so forth, on uh, a government that can protect him. Jefferson's thing- book, uh, the one he ever writes, called Notes on Virginia, casts a look at North America westward. He even t- calculates how many miles it is uh, from St. Louis to Mexico city at a time when neither of those was American territory. He's looking across, but he doesn't include New England on his map. He never talks about it. New England, the area that have been the trading part, the shipping part, shipbuilding just doesn't interest him. To Hamilton, New England is, you know, um, the lead area of the country, and it's fortunate that they have, uh, you know, a bunch of pine trees in the Carolinas that they could ship to New England to make ships out of.
0: We're talking with our author of the week, Michael Barone, the book Mental Maps of the Founders, How Geographic Imagination Guided America's Revolutionary Leaders. Uh, Last question that I have, you noted uh, in the beginning of the conversation, someone mentioning once that if you want to learn about someone or a subject, write about it. What was for you the biggest, most surprising takeaway in in this and learning about it as you wrote about it?
1: Well, one surprising takeaway was the – contingency of these things uh, if george washington had not been chosen to survey lord fairfax's land would he not have ended up as the commander-in-chief um and you go forward to uh, albert gallatin who was from switzerland originally uh came to north america as a 19 year old he ends up um he, for maybe sketching out a transportation plan that is um that is that is that is that serves the whole country eventually, though not in his time. He foresees uh, the transportation facilities that we need. I think the other thing that would be that was interesting to me, and that may be surprising to some readers, is that the founders recognized. The cultural diversity of the country, um, in different ways. They, you know, George Washington recognized that the um, you had to do, command New England troops in a way rather differently than you commanded Virginian troops. Uh, one method of command would work with one group, but the other group had to be approached in a different way. Um, they were aware that different religious foundations, uh, um, each colony had different religious foundations, Calvinist, New England, Anglican, uh, Virginia, Quaker, Pennsylvania, Catholic, Maryland. They were aware, they, they believed in religious tolerance. And uh, George Washington insists that Jews have rights in the United States, not because uh, people are being indulgent and kind to them, but because they have equal natural rights as human beings uh, who are um, law-abiding citizens. Um, They appreciated the cultural diversity. You know, we often hear it talked about today. Gee, America's culturally diverse, and it always used to be, you know, white bread. Everybody was sort of the same. Uh, That was never true. And the founders created a republic in large part that would operate with a limited federal government, Um, and would be dealing with peoples of uh, widely different beliefs. Uh, They were dealing with... The recent history had featured religious wars uh, that cost hundreds of thousands of lives, millions of lives in Europe, and tremendous damage. Uh, They wanted to tolerate different religions and religious uh, and cultural beliefs. Uh, Limited government was there, uh, solution to how uh, how you could operate that over a continental uh, um, framework, a continental geography. And uh, I think that way the founders have something to teach us today, mm-hmm. don't they? The, Most uh, certainly. The limit, limited, gov- yes. limited government <laughs> with limited powers, uh, rule of law, majorities um, assembling on some issues, uh, disassembling on others um, it is a formula that has worked uh, pretty well over 200 years, not perfectly, in a civil war. Um, but the founders, uh, we should be grateful to the founders for giving us uh, something that uh, was not inevitable, but owes a lot to the particular genius of these individuals, their character, and their geographic imagination.
0: The book Mental Maps of the Founders, How Geographic Imagination Guided America's Revolutionary Leaders, our author of the week, Michael Barone, uh, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, author of the week, Springfield's Talk one i I'm Nick Reed. Alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunshine 65 today, tonight clouds 48. Tomorrow mostly cloudy with a high of 61. Then rain expected to make its way in tomorrow night. Emily Johnson House Theory Realty for all of your home buying, your home selling needs. Follow her on social media. She doesn't just l- put listings up like a lot of uh, your realtor friends may. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you are Thinking, well, I don't need to add her. I don't need to follow her because I'm not in the market. Um, She's got lots of great information. Just if you're a homeowner, um, you know, how it is that you can upkeep your house and. The things that you can do in order to keep the value in your home particularly as you go into winter and then back into summer and so forth and and uh and then oftentimes just information that is i think it's interesting and then when you do need some help or just advice on selling a home buying a home or maybe you have a friend or family member that's moving into the area and it's overwhelming and they don't know anyone and they have no idea whom it is that they should reach out to to help them sell their home? You can direct them to Emily Johnson House Theory Realty. We've got Kaylin with us, Springfield Symphony, and that means that we got performances coming up. How do you do?
3: Hello. Yeah, we are in the quick of all things holiday. Yeah. Well. So it I is
0: suspected.
3: Yeah. So it's a fun time of year for us. Um, we have two concerts mm. this Saturday. And um, our first one is our free holiday matinee. That is our community mm. concert that we offer to the community for free. Mm. And um, we got our like ticket request were sold out within forty eight hours this year. Okay. And we had a wait list probably the same amount of people that we have um, tickets to offer. So we are really excited about the turnout mm. this year, and it's going to be a full house on Saturday. For does it? Matinee. Does
0: the? Well, it sounds like the crowd's always <laughs> large, but does it? I don't know. It seemed the demand increase every mm-hmm. year.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Um, well, that's good. It's, it's, it's a fun thing for us mm-hmm. to do, and we love putting it on for the community. And because of our amazing sponsors, we're able to offer this free concert to people. You're going to have
0: to get a new venue yeah, for this.
3: And it's crazy. But then we also have our um, our full evening mm-hmm. performance um, that's included in our subscription season. And it's the same show, just a, the full version. Okay. Is the, uh, matinee is a shorter version. And so it's going to be a fantastic night. We have always have our choruses and choirs come oh. join us. So we have um, four different choirs joining us this year. We have Central High School, uh, Marshfield, and who else am I missing? Hillcrest. Oh. And then we also are being joined by Queen City Chorale, oh. which is, um, our, we typically do all high school oh. choirs, but this is our first time we have a... A non-high non oh, school, so it's exciting. Right. Shaking her up there. Yeah, we're getting new people in, and it's really exciting. Cool. And then, of course, we have our carol sing-along that mm-hmm. everybody loves.
0: Right. Now, are there still tickets available mm-hmm. for that?
3: We have very limited seats okay. left. So last I looked, I think we were under 100. All right. So pretty exciting. Get on it. It's it's sold It's selling out really quickly, but it's the holidays. Everybody loves coming and hanging out with us
0: yeah and it does it gets you in the mood and of course people i don't know it it seems as if and this is a conversation that happens every year it gets earlier and earlier and christmas stuff comes out after halloween but there are still these moments where you just sort of need that thing that okay we need to really and this is one of those things that gets you just you feel it you're in the mood and you're like okay now we can finish our shopping Mm -hmm. or whatever it is
3: yeah absolutely we hear that all the Mm. time from you know Mm seeing our part on their social media people email us and call us or do we talk to them like this is my family tradition Mm -hmm. we come to the symphony and listen to these amazing songs and we try to keep the the pieces we play changing every year but they're still the big famous pieces that we all love and it's just really cool to see how engaging people have made this into their to their traditions
0: and there's there's generally not uh behind the baton before the not for this okay i I thought that was Mm -hmm. the case but
3: yeah behind the baton is for our classical shows and this is our pops because it's exciting it's christmas i know i ask you that all the time yeah probably tired
0: of (laughs) (laughs) me asking it but it's for the benefit of the listener
3: absolutely that's why
0: i'm asking even though i know the answer yeah
3: but but it's for them
0: all right so people want to buy tickets they can either stop by online right yeah
3: absolutely so everything um it goes through hammond's hall box Mm -hmm. office so the best way to do that is either go on our website or hammond's hall or go walk up to their box office
0: is there still also the availability to watch it streaming Mm -hmm.
3: So we will have um, it streaming online about two weeks after Got it. we get our okay. get all you know have the, sure. the production stuff outside mm. of it, but then we will have it available for streaming online after. All
0: right. Well, it's always a pleasure. And yeah. then I guess we won't see it until after the first of the year. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas.
3: All right. Thank you. You too. Well,
0: you bet. Springfield Symphony. Caitlin, as always, thank you so much. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I am Nick Reed. Oh. We have a pair of tickets for the is performance correct. Caitlin was speaking of for the Springfield Symphony. They just text the word
2: Christmas. Yes.
0: To the American Transmissions, talk and text line 447 KSGF. Don't do any exclamation points or Merry Christmas. if It's uh, it's not the sort of deal where you just text in and we see them and like, oh, we'll pick that one. It's a, a, a program and it identifies the text messages that say Christmas And then one of those will be randomly drawn. So text that in for your chance to win. When will that? Happen right the after the show right after the show mm-hmm. Okay. Sarah Myers
2: thank you well if you are looking to do some uh, firearm shopping for Christmas but you don't want to get lost in the shuffle at a big box store I recommend that you take a trip down to Monette and visit Quick Draw Gun now whenever I purchased my first firearm it was kind of an intimidating process not going to lie because I had a lot of questions but Brad and his team they did an excellent job answering all of those questions I had and they also helped me uh, narrow down my options as well, and that is one of the things that I really do appreciate about their store is especially if you read the reviews because that is one thing that's mentioned over and over again is just the complete expertise and the friendliness of the staff. So whether you are needing uh, an ammo restock, accessories, or maybe you're looking to add to your firearm collection, or maybe you're wanting to purchase your first firearm, look no further than Quick Draw Gun in Monette. And of course, if you have any questions for Brad you can give him a call today and you can find all of that contact information under the Sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com
0: there are a couple of different stories regarding men identifying as women and then knocking women out of first place second place and these are becoming more and more prevalent as more and more men are allowed to compete in women's sports one of the latest, this was over the weekend, uh, Illinois, first and second place. Had a couple of men identifying this women race and they got first, second place. Uh, Tessa Johnson and Evelyn Williamson, who are males, beat out all the opposition at the Illinois State Cyclocross Championship on Saturday. And the news sparked anger from female sports advocates, which were told are homophobic. These are women that need to keep their mouths shut. Riley Gaines, who has been one of the more vocal female athletes to protect women's sports, is constantly coming under sometimes just vicious attacks from Democrat activists for standing up for women's rights. There's an interesting parallel that I have not, I've not heard any connection being made and i not sure if it means anything, but I just thought I'd, I'd verbalize it here. As we watch left-wing activists being proactive in a couple of different arenas, one, of course, to force girls to have to compete against boys or women to have to compete against men who say that they're women at the same time since october 7th we have seen left-wing activists also become very proactive um, in supporting hamas's efforts and one of the observations that so many people have made is that these left-wing individuals, particularly the LGBT community, they are promoting a side that would just as soon seem them dead. And that would, if, if they were, had any, they, and they do, I mean, they, they throw homosexuals off the tops of buildings. There was, several years ago, a top military official within the Palestinian Authority that was executed in public because he was suspected of being homosexual. They have a very, well, it's much different than than we embrace here in the United States, view of how you treat people that are different from you and how you treat women and there are areas throughout the Middle East that are more strict than others. And I just can't help but recognize the parallel in the attitude between like the the left in this country with their support of Hamas, who see women as second class citizens, and their support for the movement to force women to compete against boys, which is also telling women, sit down, shut up. That if a man comes along and declares I'm a woman, you keep your mouth shut and deal with it. If not, you'll be attacked. Riley Gaines, they she's is it uh Eventbrite, I believe is the the ticket venue that that uh canceled the uh, the, their platform is a venue one of the events that she was going to speak at I think you know you would you would get tickets I'm not sure if it was an actual cost or just to reserve a ticket and it was the platform canceled it spit on oftentimes by men who claim that they're women. At one point a few months ago she w- had to lock herself into, a a room because of angry men dressed as women that were threatening her and it's just I, there's something telling about the treatment of women by these left-wing activists and the people they support whether it's men who identify as women or whether it's organizations like Hamas that not only see but treat women as property treat women as second-class citizens and treat women as well sure you can do what you'd like as long as a man says it's okay but the moment a man comes in and says no this is what you're going to do or no you are going to respect me as a, a declared woman and I just, I don't know, I think that's that's a pretty interesting sort of alliance of, of attitudes, if you will. And you know, it's arguably there's a consistency problem or there's a consistency there that people on the left are increasingly having with women being treated as equal. And we're seeing that in more than one capacity. It's not an anomaly. Which I guess that's my point. That if you were to look at the support for organizations like Hamas, and look for you know look at the left wing support of organizations that say women should you know default to men when men say no you're going to compete with us or you have to shower with us or you have to do all these things, that the consistent element is women take the back seat. That ultimately, when it comes down to it, the man gets to decide the woman's place. I think that gives us a great deal of insight. Where the the left wing activists, the Democrat activists in this country, are really exposing themselves when it comes to the anti semitism, when it comes to uh, their belief that ultimately they decide when and where women should speak, what they should say, when they should keep their mouths shut. You had testimony from uh, a a um, promoter of the transgenders in sports situation that was testifying that this was an opportunity for girls to learn how to lose gracefully oh well isn't that sweet and it is about women particularly when it comes to transgenders because if you notice and this is what's important every one of these stories it's the woman who is sacrificing We don't hear stories about men who are told that they need to see counseling because they don't want to take a shower with a girl. We don't hear stories about cycling competitions in which the first and second place men were booted out because of women who identified as men and decided to compete. You don't hear stories about male volleyball players being sent to the hospital because females who identify as males spike a ball in their face so hard that it breaks bones. You notice it's always the other way around? It's always the women who are hospitalized. The women who are traumatized by being forced to take showers with men. The women who are told they need counseling if they have a problem with it. The women who lose the gold medal and the silver, silver, silver medal because it's always the women. And which of the two political parties is behind it? And ask yourself, is that really... Is that really truly a party that embraces and values women? Because the behavior sure doesn't indicate as such. And when they're they, they are out there supporting cultures and promoting cultures and, and movements like Hamas who treat women as second class citizens, is that really a political party that values women? Something to think about. Springfield's Talk One O Four One. I'm Nick. Ritt. Looking at this uh, headline: Fox News Festival rejects menorah lighting over Israel Israel War. And we had yesterday Newsweek story about the White House uh, dealing with some backlash for their cancellation of Hanukkah recognitions and celebrations. And it just. Seems like, have we, have we been through this period of time where, where Jews have to hide who they are? Where Jewish people who want to celebrate their religion have to start doing it behind closed doors? That's where we are in America today. We've been through this period of time. And the fact that we are repeating some of those behaviors that we have seen as in these horrific stains on uh, of humanity, that, that we are watching those things get repeated here in this country, these are not very positive reflections of our character as a nation. And I will once again say those of you who maybe genuinely you grew up thinking that the, that the Democrat Party was the party of coexisting and compassion and caring and love. Look at what's happening. That's not to say that you have to support Republicans and Republican policies. But if you do choose to support the Democrat Party, you have to take responsibility for what you are supporting. Daily Wire reporting a Colorado school district assigned an 11-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl, to share a bed with a boy who identified as a girl, according to a demand letter from the girl's parents. Jefferson School Public Schools in the Denver area assigned the fifth grade girl to a room with three other students, two girls from her school and a boy from a different school during a cross-country overnight stay in June to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. The 11-year-old was told that she had to share a bed with the trans-identifying boy. However, she became uncomfortable later that evening when the students were in their room together and the boy revealed that he actually was a boy who identified as a girl. The young girl snuck in, listen to what these policies are forcing young girls to do. The girl snuck into the bathroom to quietly call her mother for help. She had, fortunately, the mother had come on the trip but was not a chaperone. The girl and her mother asked the chaperone to move her to a different room, and initially the chaperone tried to have her simply switch beds in the same room, forcing another girl to sleep with the boy. The chaperone would eventually agree to move the boy to a different room but lied to the other students about why, saying one of the girls needed more space. December letter from Kate Anderson, director for Center for Parental Rights and Alliance Defense Need Freedom said an 11 year old child was placed in a position where she feared social backlash if she requested a different room in front of other students. So here she went. I mean, this is what these policies are doing. This is what the left is doing. Forcing 11 year old girls to sneak off to bathrooms to call their parents. And of course, their answer would be that 11 year old needs to not be so transphobic, of course. Glenn Beck's next. I will talk to you tomorrow. See you at Scramblers. I'm Nick Reed.